Welcome to In a Prosecco, the podcast that raises a glass to moms who are transitioning from empty nester into the next beautiful phase of life as a free bird. I'm your host, Bernie Slowey. I'm a mother of two sons who have grown and flown, and I'm also a former corporate executive, filmmaker, writer, speaker, and entrepreneur who has helped women transfer into their authentic selves to uncork their infinite sparkling possibilities. So whether you're sipping a Prosecco or your favorite beverage of choice, join me as we pop open today's message in a bottle. Hello, and welcome to another episode of In a Prosecco. So what is the truth serum going to tell me today to share with you? So what's the message in the bottle as I pour? I love the effervescence. There we go. Okay. Today's topic is parenting from afar. Mmm. It's very different when they're under the roof and now they're not at home. So how does that affect parenting? Because it's not like they (laughs) say, oh, okay, I've left the house and now I I don't need any guidance. Well, maybe some. I kind of was that way. But most are probably like, yeah, I'm away, but you know what? I need some guidance. Come on. 18. Yes, that's a legal age. Is 18 an emotional and mature age for everyone? No. Let me tell you, I was a helicopter parent. And I was a helicopter parent because I witnessed when I was predominantly in middle school and high school watching how the parents were really super involved. And I really admired that actually because my parents were not. And you know, that was one of the things that as far as a parent, when I became a mom, that I wanted to be able to be involved in my kid's life because I wanted to know who are the friends. But also, when I played sports, my parents didn't come to my games. When I had a, you know, a celebration of some sort being elected to the student council or, you know, whatever the case may be, it wasn't like there was a lot of support. and. And that's okay. That was my family situation. But what I was doing was I was going to make that different for my children. That was something that I mindfully decided I'm going to be a mother to my children in a way that means I want to be involved. And especially it was my oldest in third grade when we discovered that he has dyslexia. And it really made sense as far as like, oh, what is dyslexia? What does that mean? Okay, so then I learned about what, uh, how that can be shifting and changing the letters and not being able to read. Well, the best thing that happened as a result um, of that is that I learned a lot about um, methods of learning styles that was really essential to helping my oldest understand how to learn. And that we all have different learning styles that we're not all meant to learn the same way with the auditory, uh, visual. Um, there's a bunch of them. Uh, but from, for the example of dyslexia, once we identified that he was 
gifted with a learning disability. And I don't even like the word disability. I like the word difference because the way that the school structure is, is that this is how we have to teach to the group of children. And so if one stands out as far as needing something different, it becomes a disability versus, okay, my child has ADHD, dyslexia, whatever the learning difference that I really then honed in on how to help him. And in doing so, it was, okay, we learned that we hear audible as like the big thing right now. Well, back then, it was still books on tape, uh, books on CDs. So what we did for Nick is that he would take a book and it wasn't a, a menial book. It was like, actually, it was like uh, he, Harry Potter was a big interest of his. So he took the Harry Potter books and, and the recordings that he would listen to the audible version and follow the book. And that's how he learned how to read. And it was amazing, the difference and, and wow, the confidence that came back from him really seeing that, you know what, because he was really gifted in math and that this was a struggle for him to read, to give him that confidence back. So I think sometimes schools, because of the structure that we're focusing more on the you know, where the kids' deficits are versus where their strengths are. And that's probably another episode, but just to recognize that it gave me an opportunity to actually focus and hone in. So, but as a parent, I really navigated and advocated for him. And then my youngest son having ADHD, it was navigating and and really for my husband who had that you know experience when he grew up and he says he's like i felt i was stupid i thought that i was dumb the teachers thought i was dumb i thought i was you know just um i, I wasn't smart and that's farther from the truth because he's one of the smartest people i know and it was because it wasn't focusing on his gifts and talents it was focusing on well he just doesn't, can't pay attention. So nothing's retaining. So the, the parenting that we did, right, as, as they were growing up was so diligent. And, and for me, I was fierce because, again, I didn't have that kind of support at home. And so I was going to be the uber parent that was going to make sure that my kids were completely supported. I was going to be the home or the school mom or the room mom, <laughs> room parent. <laughs> forgot what that was called the room parent and then um then i was going to help with fundraising to make sure that we had all the necessary uh, you know support and resources needed for the school and then even to the point where when my kids were older as they were about to graduate you know uh, leading a group of parents to plan for after prom to celebrate the thing that I, oh, and PTA, let me tell you that, that the PTA, like being involved so that understanding, like, what are the things that could best support all the kids for the parents that were just weren't able to have that kind of time or um, maybe weren't aware of all the things that I was hyper and, and really just grateful and um, able to have the time to, to do the research. And I, I want to be able to 
step back for a second because as parents, I think we all want the best for our children. And you, I know as a listener and just wanting to be able to do the best that we can, that I think that's what parenting for us isn't, there's no guidebook. There's no handbook that says, here is what you do from day one. And I want to step back even further, Mm, but first another drink. Mm. Yum, yum, yummy. Okay. So when I became a mom, I read all these books. You know, do you remember the what to expect when you're expecting? (laughs) What to expect in your first year? And then Dr. Spock. And one of the things that I read is that your child has to learn independence very young. So when they're in the crib and they're home, even on day one, you leave them in the crib so that they can learn how to self-soothe and fall asleep on their own. Well, my oldest on day one at the hospital, uh, the first night, and I had read and what to expect when you're expecting is that, hey, with the nurses being there, give them the opportunity to support you as they take care for your baby so that you get the rest that you need. Because when you get home, we all know there's not a lot of rest. So I I was really taking that to heart and I wanted the the nurses to make sure to take care of of my oldest. And I think it was uh day the first night and then the nurse said, "Can we uh bring your baby into your room because he's keeping all the babies awake crying. <laughs> yeah. And so I learned that, okay, that, that wasn't a great plan, but what I was following were all the other experts and not listening to my own intuition, not embracing my own mothering talent of like, okay, I feel like that was good advice. Um, what I read, but what my child was saying was, I want to be with mom. Okay. So that 36 hour labor that I was going to be stubborn about because I didn't want to come out because I still wanted to be with mom in the five star womb. And when he was out and he's, even though he's bundled in the basket or whatever, that he was like, no, I want to be near mom and I want to eat when I want to eat. So that was kind of the the first, like, I wish I would have known that, hey, my baby doesn't have to be sleeping in a crib. I really wished with both my children that I would have just allowed for them to sleep with me while I was nursing, because then I would get good sleep, the baby would get good sleep, and I wouldn't be so grouchy in the morning. I mean, and the thought of like, oh, I got to go sit in the nursery and feed my child in the middle of the night. It's whatever works for you. Right. So the, the, that's just an example of like day one, I'm like not even trusting myself. I'm believing and, and trusting some other expert outside of themselves. And I'm thinking, Dr. Spock, has he ever pushed out a baby? No. And all these other experts, I'm sorry, but you know, just as we were talking about the differences in learning, no, every child is going to be different. And so how we respond to our child, the connection isn't about learning about how do we do that? How is the right way to be the mom? 
oh no, listen to our intuition, go inward to our, what is our gut telling us? So that, you know, after elementary school learning finally about their, their, that it's called twice exceptional, by the way, for any of your parents out there that have um, discovered that your child has some kind of learning difference. It is a gift. And so the, the spectrum that they say with the learning difference, it's twice exceptional so that they're gifted with other things or other topics or subject matters. And then, then they have something that is holding them back. And now I, I would totally label it something other than twice exceptional. But we were able to put our children into a school that fit them. And then middle school came. And my gosh, right? Do we all remember middle school? I mean, middle school sucks. And I applaud the teachers and the leadership, administration. I mean, come on. We should have a support group just for middle school um, as parents because it is a tough time. They're going through all their hormonal changes. They're going through life lessons that, you know, the emotional spectrum is so spread out as far as like, hey, girls might actually develop faster emotionally and in many ways. And for boys, they're like, oh, you know, what's this? And my sons, I don't know about you, but I mean, they really were excited about their appendage. And they, <laughs> I would joke about it almost because I'm like, hey, is it still there? Because that it's natural that they're exploring. But the middle school years were so difficult, right? So as parents, it was kind of one of those, yeah, I'm involved. And especially as they're figuring out like, well, what sport do I like? What do I, what am I better in? And it's kind of one of those time periods where it's like, what do I like um, this activity? Do I like have this interest? And they're starting to, you know, I, I'm, I really want to be a part of everything and everyone else. But part of me is saying, do I want to do something different? And so then high school comes around and you know, that's full blown hormones have already taken place. And so now it's like, oh, and I even think that in high school, teachers are different. Teachers are teaching because they love the subject matter, you know, because then at that point you're going to classes specific to the topic. And so it's a very different experience of like staying in one classroom and then like going to a different classroom in middle school. And then in high school, it's like, well, now I'm starting to like, I got to get ready for college. And I think today high school is so focused on preparing the students for college. I think they need to be more attentive to what is it that the student needs to focus on based on their strengths and interests and what makes them happy and what charges them up and their learning difference, uh, you know, their learning styles, what's going to give them the most ultimate success. And it, we're so focused on like, how much money will this career give me? How much, you know, um, am I going to be able to have in this, you know, career going to this college? And it's taking away, like the parents as a result, we're so stressed out about, well, you got to make sure you're studying, you make sure that you're doing this and make sure that you're not getting into trouble. And then talk about like, as they're getting their driver's license and then, oh gosh, now they're vaping because that was a big thing. It's still a big thing. 
And then in Colorado, when marijuana was legalized, it became another factor like, oh, my gosh, we have to make sure that, OK, they're not just vaping. What are they? Vape? What's in their vaping? <laughs> so it's not just drinking anymore. In my era, it was like, oh, if you're drinking. But it was also there's also this whole sense of like, you know, oh, the license and the, per the learning permit. And you're not supposed to be driving other students when you have a learning permit before you have a driver's license at 16. You know, as a parent, I was like, gosh, I just want to be the perfect parent. I didn't have that when I was growing up. I'm going to be the perfect parent. So I'm going to scold them when they didn't follow the rules. Were they paying attention? Are they doing well? Are they getting all the good grades? Because let me tell you, when your student, your child graduates and they go off to whatever path, college, trade, military, a job, whatever the case may be, or they stay home and they're still, you know, working or whatever. What we have to remember as parents is that even though 18 is the legal age, the emotional age is going to vary. And each child, right, is different. We can't expect the same from our children to have the oldest who I think birth order is real. I think that birth order does have and makes a difference in the development of each child and even how we parent them. Because my oldest, from day one, I knew when I pushed him out day one, I don't know about you, but when I gave birth to both my children, it was like I was in a state of like full awareness. My oldest, I was a vessel for him to come through so that he was going to hurry up and become a, an adult because he had a mission in this world. And that is absolutely the case. And even when he was four and he told us, I am an adult trapped in a child's body. And he always wore the number 18 because he was like, when I'm 18, I'm going to be my own person. He is so much like that even today. And then my youngest, who was like, when he came, he came on his due date. Not only did he come on his due date, but in our first month of removing the goalie to become pregnant, he was like the first time, first month pregnant and came on his due date because he was like, I am coming in when I am coming in. and. The uh, funny thing about that, too, is that he will still probably believe in Santa if he knows that he's going to get gifts until he's 35. So each child is different. And the way to parent from afar as we're preparing them, right, to, to launch, to go off to whatever their next chapter is, to go on their journey, that there's a lot of self-reflection in how we're parenting. What is it that we're wanting to give or release? You know, so from the time that they're born, preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, and even college, for most of everyone is like, you got to go to college. So the learning, you know, or the, the bell curve of how many students end up going to college, right? It's a big measurement for high schools uh, for their success. So the student goes off. And wonders, did I, do I know what major I even want? 
what is it that I'm even interested in? Because I've been kind of force fed to believe that this is what I'm supposed to learn. And now, um, because I don't know exactly what I want, I'm just, I'm a good learner, maybe, or you know, is it okay that I am, you know, the first two years we're paying for remedial learning anyway. So it's like giving them a chance to like, what they're really learning is life away from home. That's really the freshman year, especially as they go off to the dorm. What is it that is life without being at home and having the parents around? And many of us parents still want to remain helicopter parent. (laughs) So however your parent style is, because there's various forms, just know that your student, your child, your college student or whoever, however that they're, whether they're living at home, once 18 happens, it seems like it's a legal age because many of them are able to go off to military school or military and, uh, or whatever school of choice. And it is a shift. It is a time to detach. It's a time to cut the umbilical cord. And I know that's really hard for a lot of moms. And it may not be hard for you. Maybe it's really easy, which is fantastic. Because parenting from afar, if your child is ready and excited to take on their journey, good for you. I think you need a cheers and a toast. And if your child isn't ready, that's okay too. If they're needing a little bit of time at home, the gap year is so big, and especially after COVID, right? My gosh, COVID changed so much of what school looks like. What (laughs) post-school is like... You know, for us that were like the, uh, not just remote learning, but then it was like remote working. So, so much shifted and changed. And a lot of parents having to navigate with their child learning at home and teachers trying to navigate, how do I teach kindergartners and first graders in elementary school where their attention span is five seconds and middle school where they're like, hey, um, is anybody watching me? Like, is anybody even paying attention to me? What can I get away with? To high school going like, hey, did you know that this is how we can share notes <laughs> and test answers? Believe me, that happens. That wasn't learning. That was a learning of a different story. It was like, okay, how can we work the system? Which I think is okay. It's learning. I don't think cheating is ever learning. I don't, I don't uh, agree to that. I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying that, hey, in the circumstances, parenting from afar changes when we become empty nesters. So we shift. Now that our child has left or left house, or the home, or they've flown the coop, however, they may, or they're at home and they're going to work though, or whatever their path. There is a need to disconnect from that control. It's not time to be helicopter parent. This is about making sure that our child is ready to really make decisions on their own. 
her child is ready to learn about themselves enough to say, this is what I want to do and this is who I want to be. And we encourage that. Is there a curfew? We never instilled curfew because our kids were always home at a decent hour. And it was usually our house, actually, that everybody would end up at. (laughs) When I was growing up, midnight was my curfew. And I always felt like, oh, I hate that curfew. And my dad always told me nothing good ever happens after midnight. Possibly true. And there was a time where I... You know, there there were four, three me and three other girlfriends who said, "You call your mom and tell them that you're going to spend the night at my house, and then you, I'm going to call my parents and tell them I'm standing at your house." May have gotten busted for that, but the whole idea of like, okay, we're all wanting to at some point. Our as remember you going back to your childhood, we wanted freedom. We wanted to be able to express ourselves. We wanted to be able to learn who we were, separated from our parents. And that is parenting from afar. It's like allowing and recognizing that our children are their own person. They are on their journey. So how can we best support them? Wherever your child goes off to. Many parents will say that, you know what, I I was practicing that from day one giving my child choice. And I think that there's even a a curriculum on that. Like, okay, I'm parenting um, to give them choices and probably was a really good thing, but we didn't do it. (laughs) Uh, Don't follow parenting 101 from when I was a mom of my elementary school students, my, my children. I think that is really important to give voice to your children from the moment they're able to be cognitive of speaking and um, expressing what they want, give them choice because it's going to give lesson number one, empowerment is going to also equate to their confidence to know that they can make choices on their own, that they can actually feel that um, regardless if it's a mistake or a failure, that to embrace the failure or the mistake and say, you know what, you made that choice. That's okay. What are you going to do about now? That's a learning lesson. So what can you do with that choice for your next experience? How are you going to take that lesson and apply it to your next life learning moment? Because when they're going to go off to college and you're not there to watch their every move, I mean, I really enjoyed having my son's friends come over because it was like having a watchful eye. Like, oh, what are they up to? But you know what? Going off to college, I don't have that. You won't have that. And that's a good thing because when they have the confidence to make the choices and, and the ability to deal with the consequences, the earlier that we can teach that to our children, that way, when they are away, (laughs) then they're going to make choices confidently. And I keep telling my boys, if you make a mistake or whatever, don't lie to me. 
be honest about it, own your actions, own your choices, and say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Or, you know what, I'm going to learn from this. And that is part of life. Life is meant to be experienced in all facets so that we don't have to be the perfect parent. I was hoping to be the perfect parent because I didn't have that experience growing up. And you know what? That's not what was supposed to happen. We're supposed to experience. We're supposed to learn from our mistakes. We're supposed to learn from failure. I think failure has become this like, oh, if you're not getting straight A's, then you're not trying hard enough. I will tell you that uh, statistically, it's the the B and C students that are the most successful because they're the most balanced as far as where do I want to put my attention and how do I want to actually really truly learn? It's not always in the classroom and how I'm showing up and my learning style could be different. An A does not equal intelligence. Intelligence is saying, I know what I don't know and I want to learn this, or I'm going to go find someone who does know. That's intelligence. Not knocking those students who are straight-A students. Great. Man, that takes a lot of stress off of, of many parents, right? Like, thankfully, they're learning and studying. But there's so much more. There's the social, there's the emotional quotient. And I think emotional quotient versus IQ will win the day every day. I remember when I was managing uh, the HR department and in my role at, um, in my corporate role, 18-year-olds that we were hiring for teller positions or entry positions and the parents that would call once we, you know, our, our recruiters would say, hey, we're, we're calling and leaving a message for Johnny for this position, we'd like to schedule an interview. Well, Johnny wasn't calling back. The parent was calling back and saying, Johnny will be there. Well, we don't want to hear from the parent. We want to hear from Johnny, who's going to be the one that was going to be our employee and who would be paying. And the other thing too, is that many times the parents who couldn't transition, right? So that Johnny's at home, but he's going to work or he's looking for a job. And the parent, if Johnny or, or Susie was sick, we'd hear from the parents calling in saying, sorry, Johnny and, or Susie is sick and won't be going to work today. Uh, 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 right there. No, we need to hear from our employee. Johnny or Susie needs to call in. And as far as the performance appraisal or the grades that you get from the professor, at college or wherever. No, we are not going to call the professor and say, I don't agree with this grade or call the employer, the manager and say, I don't agree with this performance appraisal. That's not going to fly. I'll tell you right now, that's actually going to be a negative mark and not a learning lesson for your child. If anything, it's going to be a black mark. And also, it's not going to do anything to give your child the lesson that he needs or she needs to learn. That you know what? If you're not showing up on time, if you're not submitting your assignments on time, 
Uh, those are things that are life lessons for anyone. Not just are you showing up on time? Are you actually turning in anything? Are you applying what you're supposed to be doing for your job? You know, those aren't things that parents are supposed to be responsible for. That's what we prep our children to succeed in life. We're not going to be there from their time. You know, at some point, we've got to cut the umbilical cord. And, and for you to know that it's okay for permission to do so. It's time for you to focus on you as your child becomes the best version of their self because they're going to be watching you as you model, as you be the example. You lead by example showing that, you know what, this is how I'm going to choose to be the best version of myself. And that is parenting from afar. It's not the, I'm now making the choices for you. Now I'm going to dictate what your decisions are. We all want our children to be happy. We all want them to be successful. We want them to thrive in life. The best way to parent from afar is to start parenting ourselves. Take whatever it is that we thought that we wanted for our children. My gosh, my children have been the best teachers for me, especially my oldest who said, you may have wanted this, doesn't mean I want this. And he would tell me emphatically over and over again. Whereas my youngest would be like, hey, if you want to tell me what I need to do, <laughs> as long as it gets me what I want. But then he quickly learned, he's like, that's not what's making me happy. And we want for their happiness. And we want for our own happiness. And parenting from afar means that that relationship changes so that when they graduate high school and they are going off into their life and their journey, their next adventure, that means that our role changes too. We're not the ones that are going to be the decision maker for them. We can be a guide. We can be a, a resource. We can be the ear that they need when they're going through something stressful. You are going to also blossom because you will see your children thriving on their own. And it is a beautiful thing, this life transition of like the circle of life playing out, not on screen, but in your world of recognizing that you did a good job when they're saying, I got this, I'll make the decision. And they're not running home or they're not running to you, but rather that you're there for them when they need you. So it becomes a position from parenting afar, from wanting to step in and take action right away, to stepping back and allowing for your child to come to you. Not when you're going to them. How is everything going? How are the grades? Are you, per, you, know, are you going to class? Are you going to work? When they come to you and say, hey, I, um, I screwed up in this. I want your advice. I'm coming to you because I accomplished something on my own. I'm really proud of it. And you can celebrate and embrace that with them. That's parenting from afar. 
you're always going to be the parent. You're always going to be mom. And mom is always where home is at the end of the day. They will always come back. It's a shift in the, the role and also that quality of the relationship can improve so much when they want to tell you everything. And when they want to share their excitement about things and they want to tell you everything. The fun part for us was when they're like, yeah, I remember when that night when something happened and blah, 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 whatever the case may be, right? When they start to share with you the truths of their childhood, that's huge. That is a shift in your relationship where one day when they become a parent and you become a grandparent, I know that it's an evolution of parenting from afar. We never lose that title. It does evolve and it's worth celebrating. So cheers to that and to you because you're wanting to know what it means to parent from afar and as part of this whole empty nest syndrome journey. I toast to you. Cheers. Until next time. If you enjoyed this episode of In a Prosecco, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the show, and please do comment and share ideas for topics that are important to you. A friend who cares is a friend who shares. Here's a toast to you on your re journey. Cheers. <laughs>